your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 590 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Piller, up in the Blue Mountains. Ross Levitan, not with me today. I'll be driving the bus from here on out. Maybe a bit of a bumpy ride, so hold on. But Ross will be with me in our interview with today's guest, Chris Peters from Daily Faceoff and the Talking Hockey Sense podcast. Chris tells us all about the 2022 NHL draft, why he has Logan Cooley as his number one ranked prospect instead of Shane Wright, a couple of Winnipeg Ice prospects the Sens may be interested in, and a whole lot more in today's episode of the Locked On Senators podcast. And let's begin that episode. Here we go. Today is Tuesday, June 28th. Thank you for making the Locked On Senators podcast your first listen or watch of the day. We're available wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or you can watch me right on YouTube. If you want to support the show, please give us a like with a thumbs up, subscribe, and you can be a daily listener to the Locked On Senators podcast. And if you listen to yesterday's episode, You are in for a real treat because you got to see our live reaction to the greatest Ottawa Senator of all time, Daniel Alfredson, being inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. It is about time. We've been working hard to get him into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And now number 11 is in there where he belongs. Big shout out to everyone. That uh, tweeted, hashtag Alfie to the Hall, the Alfie to the Hall social media page. I believe the movement was a big reason why this made the timing right for Daniel Alfredson to get into the Hockey Hall of Fame. I'm still riding that high. It feels great to be a Sens fan, even though it's already happened. There's been 24 hours to digest it. Who cares? Keep celebrating it. It's, uh, It's a beautiful thing to finally have Alfie in the Hall of Fame. Now, we're going to keep these episodes fairly shorter than we usually do. We typically go on uh, a little bit too long, but we've planned out this week that Ross is going to be a way to have interviews so you guys can get prepped for the 2022 NHL draft as if we haven't covered it enough already, but we're still not done. We've got more. And Chris Peters from Daily Faceoff uh, was one of my favorite interviews we did. Uh, we had a lot of fun chatting with him. Uh, we talked about some Winnipeg Ice prospects. Uh, some guys in Ross's backyard, and we talk about why he has Logan Cooley as his top-ranked guy, and uh, he makes a couple really good arguments, although does he think that the Montreal Canadiens will go uh, off the board and not select Shane Wright first overall in Montreal with their fans in attendance? Maybe not. We'll see, but uh, you can listen for yourself in our interview coming up with Chris Peters. But before we get to that interview, we got to tell you all about our friends over at betonline.net, guys. Sure, basketball's over. Congrats to the Golden State Warriors. Hockey's over. Congrats to the Colorado Avalanche. But there's still lots of action to get in on in the sports gambling world. And if you're going to do that, the 
trusted online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network is betonline.net. They've got all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs, guys. It's the best spot for your sports scores, podcasts, news, updates, whatever you need, they got it. And there's more than just uh, basketball and hockey, like I mentioned. There's golf, there's baseball, there's boxing, there's UFC. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Guys, it's BetOnline.net. Where the game starts. And now let's start our interview with Daily Faceoffs Chris Peters. All right, we now welcome on a very special guest. You can find his work over at Daily Faceoff. He's a prospect analyst and a man brave enough to go against the consensus at the top of his 2022 draft rankings. Chris Peters, welcome to Locked On Senators. How are you doing today, man? Ross, I'm doing real well. It's great to be with you guys today. Um, certainly, certainly looking forward to the draft. I mean, it's, it, you know, talking about it a lot lately. So I'm, I feel like I'm repeating myself on a daily basis, but I'm going to try. I'm trying to give the Sen Sicko something nice today. I'm going to try oh, to give him something yeah. good, something new. I've always been a fan of, of the Sen's fandom. So, uh, <laughs> so I like that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, and even more reason to welcome you into Locked On Senators. Are you going to be boots on the ground in La Belle Provence on July 7th and 8th? I am not, actually. So I'm, I have a little bit of awkward timing um, in terms of uh, be switching jobs soon. I'll still be in the mm. prospect space, but basically um, I've got some new things that I got to get squared away for the new job. And so I'll be covering the draft from home. It really sucks that I won't be there. Um you know, I, it's great to cover live. Actually, for what I do, it's typically easier to do it from home, as, oh, as I found sure. the last two. Um, but at the same time, you know, back in the when I was at ESPN, it would just be me and my editor sitting right next to me, which was like such a great way to do it um, uh, when you're at the draft. And so, yeah, but unfortunately, this time it, it really sucks, too, because I've actually never been to Montreal. Uh, oh, I've been really? in Quebec. I've been I've been throughout Canada, but I've never been in Montreal, which is, you know, obviously shocking if, if you work in hockey, but. And Montreal in the summer is incredible. I, I know, I know. Like I'm, yeah. I, I was super excited about it, but just it, the way things worked out, unless something drastic changes in the next couple of days, like I haven't canceled my hotel yet. So we'll see. Maybe there I'll, you go. maybe I'll just like, just say, ah, oh, okay, I'll do it myself. But, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just, things are just a little bit uh, timing just isn't quite working out the way that I'd like it to. Yeah, very fair. Well, if you want to keep that hotel room, maybe Pillsy could get a bit better of an experience than his last trip to Montreal. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, I got to see a 5-1 loss for the Sens, and it was uh, not so fun. So the, the the draft at least would have um, some some better times for the Sens. Hopefully. There's going to be some intrigue to this draft class, though, yes. before we dive into it with you, Chris. Like, what's your overall impression of this uh, this group? Um, it's okay. You know, like, I think that that's kind of the general feel. It's like, it's like, you know, for the most part, an average draft class, you know, it's not, there's nothing real special. It's chart. The top is kind of shaken up enough. You know, I don't think any one of the, yeah, I, I basically have three guys in the top of my draft and that's, you know, Cooley, Wright, Slopkowski, you know, I, is any one of those guys going to be a franchise defining player? I'm not sure. I think Cooley has the most potential to be a superstar in that group of that trio, but I mean, there's certainly the chance that, 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 you know, Shane Wright rebounds a little bit more like his, his progression is kind of stalled a little bit um, relative to where he started. Um, and then you've got Slavkovsky who, 
you know, didn't have the full body of work, like his club games and his club production, not at the level that you would expect of a top pick. But then you see what he did in the international tournament to say, I mean, it's hard to ignore the, even if you say it's a small sample or whatever, it's still, he's basically professional hockey and he was his team's best player. So, you know, that's, there's something to that there. Um, So, yeah. So I just think it's going to be one of those drafts where, you know, if you're in the top 16 or so, I think you feel real good about it. You feel like you're going to land a guy that's going to be an impact prospect for your, for your organization. But you know, it's, it's harder to find those guys that you say, yep, he's going to be a superstar. This guy is going to be legit. This guy is going to be, you know, everything that they want him to be. Um, I just think there are enough guys in this class where it's like, yep, there's this thing that's amazing. There's this thing that's not at all good. You know, like that's kind of where we're at with this class. And that's just been my sense um, this year. And yeah, so it doesn't sound exciting to put it that way, but you know, it's still, you know, you're going to find good value throughout this draft. And there are always guys that develop into something that we didn't quite expect from every single draft year. Yeah. And you mentioned how there's three guys at the top of this draft for you and the consensus is Shane Wright will be the top guy. We've had a couple people say Slavkovsky could get the mix in there as a top guy, but you're the only one I've seen that's gone the third alternate route with Logan Cooley as your top choice. And maybe this is a, just a smart marketing ploy on uh, your part, Chris Peters, because then <laughs> everyone wants to hear, okay, why are you saying something different? And then you can just kind of uh, uh, get uh, get your marketing and uh, exposure out there. But Having said that, it's obviously working. We got to hear your explanation for why Logan Cooley is your top guy. And through reading your rankings, I I tend to agree with some of the points you made. Yeah. So just to get the first part out of the way, because obviously I got that a lot. You know, you're looking for clicks. You're looking for attention. (laughs) Um, This job is like the everything I do in this field. There's a public record of it, you know, so there's actually some amount of accountability (laughs) to what happens i mean like the first year i did this you know just full full disclosure the first year i did this i was at cbs sports where i did a full like i did a top 60 draft ranking there and didn't have the resources or the travel or anything else that i that i would normally have i did go to the under 18 worlds that year because i was doing it for another company um and so you know i was starting to see all these different things and i had seth jones one jonathan drew and two and Nathan McKinnon three. How bad does that look now? So that's Uh-oh. my first draft. But that's obviously, you know, you learn from those those things. Sure. So now I've got 10 years of experience under my belt. And I spend too much time in the ranks and too much time watching video to just basically be careless with this. I, I have more tools at my disposal than I've ever had before. And so I want to make sure that whatever that, you know, produces is what I really think. Uh, I had Logan Cooley at number one at the midterm as well. And that was, you know, I think at that point, Shane Wright hadn't really had great production to that, to that point in time. It did improve a bit over time, um, but it didn't, it's still not top tier production. It's not, and you can say the same thing about Logan Cooley and Uri Slavkowski, because Cooley is like, I think, 15th or 14th or so in the all-time scoring list for points per game at the National Team Development Program in a single season, in his draft season. So, like, Jack Hughes had just ridiculous numbers, um, broke all kinds of records. Austin Matthews, same thing. Cole Caulfield, same thing. You know, so, um, but, you know, I think Cooley's like, I'll produce guys like Trevor Zegers and that as well. So, 
the reason now, now that that's out of the way, the reason that I had Logan Cooley number one is I think that he's the most dynamic player in this draft. I think that he has the highest ceiling of any player in this draft. And I, I, while I believe that Shane Wright is the safe pick has the low, you know, the highest floor, the guy that's probably, you could step into the NHL and, and, and handle himself quite well and, and be a good player and, and probably have a great career. Yeah. I'm sure the Habs I think will that, develop him well. Yeah. Yeah. As they yeah. do with young centers. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. They're going to have to, Hope that they uh, make the right changes around there. Although, you know, Martin St. Louis, we'll see. Uh, I, I liked what he did for their young guys uh, this year. But for sure. But anyway, you know, like, you know, so you say, okay, well, of these guys, of these three guys, the guy that I think has the biggest chance to be a franchise player is Logan Cooley because of the speed that he plays at, the, the skill that he has. He's the most dynamic player in this draft um, because he's not just dynamic. He's also, his hockey sense is comparable to Shane Wright's he processes the game as fast as he plays it which is really hard to do and only you know there are a lot of fast guys but there are a lot of guys that don't process the game at that speed and so they don't play as fast as their speed would allow them to um and Logan Cooley is one of those guys where that that hands feet brain are all working at the same time um and Shane Wright's more of that deliberate he's not slow but it's a deliberate pace where he's you know trying to pick defenses apart Logan Cooley's more like boom you know like I'm this is what I'm doing I'm doing it 100 miles an hour um and and in the end even though you know he's he's only about two inches shorter than Shane Wright it's not like there's a huge size difference um he's not you know that there's been a lot made about Shane Wright's defensive ability I think that Logan Cooley's is comparable um in in that regard he doesn't get as much credit for it because he does a lot of the flashy stuff but boy does he ever compete in his own zone um and, you know, I think that's actually true of a lot of those national team guys. They, they, this, uh, they played under Adam Nightingale, who just moved on to become the head coach at Michigan State. He really got those guys to play well away from the puck. I thought they were so detailed in their play off the puck. And that's something that Logan Cooley has. So you put all of that together and you say, yes, Shane Wright is, is excellent. He's got, I think he has the best hockey sense in the draft. Um, but I think that Logan Cooley simply does more. Um, and that's why ultimately he got chosen over Shane Wright and Shane Wright's number two on the board. I appreciate that rundown. That being said, do you believe it will be still on July 7th, Shane Wright first overall? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like it's, I think it's really, when you're picking first overall, it's hard enough. The pressure is on in such a way. Especially when the draft is in your home. Exactly. When you're picking first overall with a crowd in front of you with a, um, with the just basically the visceral reaction is going to be immediate yeah yeah look looking up at the banner saying the first right. team to ever finish 32nd overall right. and, in and every league. yeah exactly and every team yeah yeah every team too like or every 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 fan has been conditioned not every fan but a lot of fans have been conditioned to believe that Shane Wright is the best player in this class yeah even yeah. though the consensus has been dwindling throughout the entire season and it and publicly he's number one because yes he's the safe pick and I'll say I've been a very since that mistake with the with the Nathan McKinnon thing that I did my first year that I do this ring I got way more conservative at the top and this year I felt like this is not the year to be conservative this is the year to go for it this is the year to find that that player that's going to be a you know like I'll be honest I think between those two players if you want to play the style that Martin St. Louis had that team playing in the end I think the guy you want is Logan Cooley yeah it makes a lot more sense but but I think it's really difficult to, to pass up a Canadian who has exceptional status, a guy who, you know, has played for Canada. He's worn the jersey and in multiple events. 
um, and will be at the at the World Juniors. Assume, well, assuming whoever drafts him lets him go, right? Um, you know, we'll have an opportunity to continue to to build that case. That's really hard to pass up in favor of the flashy American or the big uh, high upside Slovakian who you know torched a couple tournaments. So um, I think this is the defining moment of Kent Hughes's career already in, 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 and it's not even his first you know it's his first draft and this yeah. is the most important decision he's going to make in the next couple of years here is right now so I, I think you almost have to expect some some amount of conservatism there uh, when when that's there and that's what I think it would be I think that Shane Wright is I, I wouldn't begrudge them for picking him I, yeah. I have him number two it's not like there's a big difference between him and Logan Cooley for me so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't criticize them for doing that that's very fair. Just a quick anecdote. I want to ask more about the U.S. program. You're obviously based in the States, but speaking of a draft at home, like I just think back to 08 in Ottawa, they trade up. Daniel Alfredson goes up. Like there's no bigger moment. And they did not take the safe pick. They took a 150 pound defenseman named Eric Carlson and it worked out pretty well. So sometimes a move on draft day that doesn't seem like it makes a whole lot of sense ultimately becomes that. So we're going to be interested in following that Logan Cooley um, state throughout and, and see where he does end up. But he obviously had some help. This was a great year for the U.S. Uh, national team program. Maybe not the same number of like Zegris uh, Hughes that year, but still lots of great players. I'm focused in on Cutter Gauthier, especially at seventh overall. It seems like he's got a lot of the intangibles that the Sens look for, but he's also got a ton of skill. First, do you see him as a center or a winger? Because I know he kind of named himself a center at the combine. I, I mean, I think he's got all the skills to be a center. The fact that the reason that he was a wing is because you had Logan Cooley and Frank Nazar, and they were, you know, and and for actually for a good chunk of the season when Charlie Stramel was out, who's a six foot five uh, center um, and draft eligible next year, next year right, he was he was out he was out for a lot of the season. So Gauthier ended up playing down the lineup a little bit um, in order to get that. But when he moved back up to wing, it just opened up his scoring ability a lot more. I think that he has really, he's really sure-handed. Um, he's got the size, he's got speed, he's got physicality. I think, you know, this, I, I think the Sens would be thrilled if he dropped there. I'm not sure he's going to get past six this uh, based on the way that things are trending in this draft. Um, he's been one of the biggest risers. You know, I've heard of teams having him as, as early as third on the board. Whoa. There are teams that I think have him um, as, you know, that in the conversation, not it as a number one, but in the conversation for the top of their board because of that upside. He has, um, I think, personally think Logan Cooley has the highest ceiling, but I know there are a lot of people out there that think Cutter Goche is the one with the highest ceiling because he has the size athleticism package, has the hockey sense, plays both sides of the puck, is very committed in all zones. And the thing, I think that the best skill that he had, one of his best skills is what he does, I think, better than anybody else in this draft is he doesn't have like that dangle puck skill, but when the puck is on his stick, it is almost impossible to get it off of him when you're, he, he shields it incredibly well. He's got, ve- he's very strong on the puck. He's strong on his stick. So it's hard to stick check him. It's hard to, you know, get for him to like handle bad passes. Like he's just, he can handle it. You know, you can't give him a bad pass. And he's also got a pretty large pass radius as well. So his handles, while not like dynamic, like I'm going to dangle through a defenseman, he has some of the best hands in the draft because it's so hard to get it off of him. And so uh, on top of that, with a great release, I think he'd be a score, a goal scoring center um, with, you know, good defensive capabilities and a guy that I think, you, you know, 
he's going to Boston College. I think you want him to sit there maybe two years, let him let him get to that. You know, I don't think he's going to dominate college hockey next year, but I think by year two, he'll be a dominant player in that in that ranks. And so the upside is phenomenal for him. And that's why I think that he's got a chance to go. You know, he, the Sens might not even have a chance to get him. Um, but if they do, I think that would be a very fair pick there. Well, you mentioned the industry talking about how he's rising. Same with yours. You had him going from 18 all the way up to six to your final ranking. So the late risers, we know the Sens love that. Jake Sanderson certainly fit that bill the way he flew up draft boards once the season was paused. But the Sens are going to have lots of options at seven. Hey, Pilsy, you got a couple of guys you wanted to bring up. Yeah, I mean, Cutter Gauthier, he's our guy. We've done a couple mock drafts, and he's the guy we have the Sens picking at seven. But I do agree, it, it's quite possible that he's not going to be there and Columbus will take him. So who are some of the other options? Uh, I've got a couple wingers in mind that I would look at for the Sens, but who do you think would be the best fit for the Sens at seven if, let, let's assume, uh, Gauthier is not available there? Yeah, I mean, I think if I'm if I'm Ottawa, I want to just continue to down this track of getting more dynamic up front, yes. you know, and, that, and that's the possibility that's what you have you know obviously last year they went brawn over skill and in in, in, a, in a tyler boucher and and you know i think he's i, I still like the player i think he's gonna be fine it, it was um you know 10 right player high, wrong spot yeah, i am exactly. a five star we did our draft profiles i was like five yeah. star i want him so bad at 39 or 40 <laughs> yeah exa- exactly so that's you know and that's that that matters and obviously that changes the expectation level for right. him and everything else so I think in the range that they're in, you have all sorts of options. Maybe one of the top two defensemen slip, but you don't really, that's not, maybe that's not your, where you want to go. You know, you obviously have Jake Sanderson coming, you have all these different things. Um, right. But still, I think those, either of those two defensemen to get a right shot of that quality, if they, either of them slips to the Sens, Would be I think you have to go that yeah. way. Um, but if not, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, the winger, some of the wingers that you've talked about, Jonathan LeCaramaki, uh, uh, um, uh Camel? Uh, Yo Kim, yes, Yo Kim Camel. Um, you've got uh, you know, Frank Nazar is a he's an undersized yep. center. He doesn't really fit the sense profile necessarily, but he's one of those guys where it's like, you know, he makes a lot of sense um just to be he could play center, could play wing, um, really dynamic and speedy. Um, so but Lakiramaki and Kemmel, those are the two guys that you say, okay, well, they've got great shots, um, playmaking ability, they skate well, they have decent enough size. Um, although Kemmel, like measured in two inches shorter than he's yeah. been all season so yeah, we noticed that yeah i don't know what's going on there Is he, he doesn't look five on? nine he doesn't look what well, yeah he might have been he's, he's, yeah, he's, his got, team's got a little yeah, bit he's of a losing hurt. a couple of vertebrae or something <laughs> yeah. like that so yeah so um but you know those guys have dynamic skill sets and the, the upside that, that they have it's you know they could be high scores i think they fit like you know that tim stutzla model of you know that that speed speed shot combo that you know, can really make a huge difference for your team and, and be a top six guy. So, you know, they make a lot of sense there. Um, you know, I think the, I'll, I'll be very fascinated to see, you know, with how hard they went size last year, do they entertain the idea of Connor geeky at, at that, that high. Now I, I have Connor geeky a, a lot lower than most people do. It is based entirely on skating. Um, I, yeah. I like the player a great deal. I think that he's going to be an NHL player um, I think, you know, the skating is what keeps them out of the top 10 and closer to the, you know, the end of the top 20 for me, but he is a six foot three big center, highly intelligent, physical, um, can make plays, you know, it's just, if the way that the Sens have operated the, in the last little bit, 
he could be a guy there. But yeah, I fair. think that the dynamic skill set that they saw, you know, the Sens had a huge contingent at the under 18 Worlds. Temel and Lek Karamaki were both there, and I'm sure left very strong impressions on, you know, everybody was there from from Pierre on down. Um, yeah. You know, so I'm sure they left a really strong impression on that group. Well, I've got a little uh, insider info for you then, too. I live in Winnipeg, and I was at Ice versus Oil Kings game one. I turn around, there's Pierre Dorian scouting that game. And I didn't think it was Connor Geeky's best game, but I probably got five or six live viewings. And you see the same thing. Like, he looks so awkward when he's skating, but you look at the potential when he does have the puck on his stick. You mentioned with yeah. Gautier, it's hard to get off. Well, Geeky can have it on a string, too. And yeah. it's tough. Like, I left. Every ice game I went to this year, I left either thinking Tyler Benson was the best player on the team, again, not even <laughs> yeah. eligible this year. Yeah. But I, I always look back and and Geeky impressed me more than Savoy. What what is it about Savoy that scouts are still so high on despite the five nine frame? Like, is he that dynamic? I mean, he's dynamic enough. You know, I think like in that range, especially, you know, I don't think anybody really views him as being a center at the next level. Right. You know, just there just aren't five nine centers in the NHL. Um, there are five ten centers, you know, and like that's that's why Logan Cooley is, you know, like that one inch, I guess it matters, but um it's like we we always talk about the photo of Muggsy Bows and Shaq. It's like how NHL teams view people, and it's like yes. five five nine versus five ten. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. So so yeah, so um you know, and I think that the skating is, is, is at a high level. The, you know, the, the compete is there. Um, I think he's definitely lower um, and, and sinking on a lot of lists. Uh, you know, I think there's concerns about his ability to stay healthy. I think there's some concerns about, um, you know, just uh, can he play his style at his size and stay healthy? Um, and then also, you know, just, you know, based on the relative to the rest of the class, not like I think Matthew Savoy, started declining. I think that it was more the rest of the class kind of grew around him and, and really stepped up because he was a guy I was super high on at the midterm. Um, the other thing that, that, that is there too, I mean, like, you know, scouts will say, oh, we don't look at points that much. They look at points a, a ton. Um, and, and they should. And it, I mean, it's a great indicator of how a player is doing, right? Especially if you say oh, this guy, if he doesn't produce it in junior, it's very hard for him to produce as a pro. Um, and he produced this year. I think he produced at a level that was, you know, comparable, if not better than most of the, you know, most of the top guys in this class. Um, granted, he did it on one of the best teams in the CHL. Uh, but still, it's, you know, you, you still say, okay, well, he, he was a driver for that team. Um, and, and I think that there's a lot of, a lot of people that still still very much like him. Will he go in the top 10? I kind of doubt it at this point, um, but it's certainly still a possibility. Yeah, he's an interesting one for sure. And the Sens, they do have some picks in the second round. We're still waiting to see where that Tampa pick will uh, end up being that they <laughs> have for them. Good. Yeah, it's uh, probably going to be uh, at the very yeah, bottom here. But they do have their own second round pick, which is at 39th overall. Now, who would be some options that you think would make sense for the Sens in uh, in that spot there? Uh, personally, for me, I have the Sens kind of going for a forward with seventh overall pick. So I've kind of slated uh, the pick 39 to probably be a defenseman. But maybe you have some ideas of what would make sense and what players would be available in that range. Yeah, I mean, it, the thing is, is that, that range is so tricky. Like, you yeah. know, the, the, the late first early second is really hard to uh, predict and, and handicap, you know, in terms of who's going to be there. That's what everybody's trying to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and um, you know, I would say that uh, with, 
with where the sends are going to be, you know, there's, there's a lot of options there. So, you know, if you're saying, okay, who are some guys that'll be there kind of from the tail end of the, of the first round guys. So like Matthias Havlid, an undersized defenseman from Sweden who had a great under 18 world championship. I think he could slip outside of the first round. I don't think he should go much lower than the high second round. Um, you know, he's an option there. You know, there, there's the off chance that maybe a Noah Ostland, who is his center bit on the smaller side, slighter build, you know, he, he had such a really good U18s that I, you know, I bumped him up to a first round grade from, you know, basically thinking he was a high second round pick um, really liked the way that he played, but like, that's another option of a guy that could be there. And then you've got kind of some of your guys that are, are really good players, really good junior players, maybe not as dynamic, like an Owen Beck yep. from, uh, from Mississauga. I mean, there's a good chance he goes in the first late first, um, you know, Danny Jilkin from, uh, from the Guelph storm as well. He's got skill. I think there's upside there. I don't think he's lived up to his, full potential yet um reed schaefer who just had a long run with seattle he's you know he, he needs to improve his skating a little bit more but he's, he's it's not bad it's just like i think that if he can get a little bit of a step he's got a chance to be a real good offensive player really good shot he does a lot of things well that's another guy that's trended towards the end of that first round um and then you know as far as defensemen go i think one of the guys that could be there seamus casey from the national team program um really good skater you know, in that solid enough defensively, you know, I think that his hockey sense, his offensive sense, I would like him to see a finish plays more, you know, he didn't, he got a lot of ice time on top power play units and things like that. So he has the skill, he has the skating ability. Um, but he's one of those guys where it's, he, he, he kind of feels like he's that second first round tweener where it's like, oh, there's so many tools, but there's just enough to doubt that maybe he, you know, is available in there. Um, you know, and then I would also say like Tristan Luno, Luno as well from Gatineau um, being uh, an option as kind of like that two-way defenseman. Um, you know, I thought that the the offensive skill um, that he has is, is, is adequate. Like it's not, it's not amazing, but it, it's effective, you know, maybe that that's a fit too. So that's the kind of player, I mean, generally that you might find in that range, Um but, you know, just I think it's so hard to say at this point, because once you get really past, I'd say 20, it's just like could be anybody 20 to 60 yeah. could be, you know, what the I rankings have. could be in, out the window at that. Could, point. Yeah, could it, yeah, it could be what I have in in reverse, you know, or yeah, whatever. Honestly. Like, it's, that's the way it feels right now. Yeah. Well, Chris Peters is a NHL draft and prospects analyst. You can find his work at Daily Faceoff and go listen to the Hockey Sense, Talking Hockey Sense podcast. I just listened to the one with Corey Pryman, who's also coming up here on Locked On Senators. Fantastic conversation you two had, both guys without Shane Wright at the top (laughs) of the draft. Now, final question for me, Chris, and it would be crazy for me not to bring up the only NODAC commit and a guy who I'm (laughs) sure you know from the USHL. When would be too early to take Dylan James? (laughs) um i would say i mean i think high high second is still early you know i think he's uh i think he's more of a third round guy Um, so tampa second so tampa second yeah so tampa yeah tampa second rounder would be uh would probably be he'd he'd be in the mix at least uh great season so yeah yeah good call good call always keep an eye on those uh on those north dakota boys and (laughs) and cole spicer was once committed maybe they can get him later no in the draft and just say there's you know he's from grand forks actually so so there's the you know the decommit they're kind of dead to me like i said that about scott morrow and then he goes out and has an unbelievable (laughs) b plus one year yeah exactly that's the best place to watch a game in college hockey though do you agree where where's that at Grand Forks at the Ralph yeah for sure unbelievable awesome well maybe we'll see you there down the road Chris always appreciate this maybe after the draft 
Love to have you back on. Maybe focus more on the Sens prospect pool and how you think they did at the draft. But we appreciate it. We look forward to your coverage in early July. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, guys. It was a pleasure to do it. All right, Sens fans, that was our interview with Chris Peters. Hope you enjoyed our chat with him. We're definitely going to have him back on the podcast as he had a lot of great insight and was a lot, a lot of fun to chat with. And uh, maybe we'll have him back on later in the summer once the Sens have their draft picks selected. He can tell us all about why the Sens made a great pick or a poor pick how these players are going to fit into the system, and uh, we can get into a whole bunch of topics with Chris, as it was great to chat with him. I don't have much more for today. I'm still still riding the high of Alfie being in the hall. That's probably going to be the only news for a while. Hopefully, we get uh, some RFA signed, Josh Norris maybe to a long-term deal, or honestly, if the Sens could just sprinkle some sort of news to keep me going throughout the week, uh, that would be great. But we still have a lot of great interviews lined up for you guys throughout the rest of the weekend, throughout the time that Ross is away. So if you liked our interview with Chris Peters, buckle up. There's a lot more draft coverage from a lot of respected names in the industry, friends of the show, some recurring guests even. So definitely keep an eye out on uh, our YouTube page. Like and subscribe if you haven't already. Be a friend. Tell a friend about the Locked On Senators podcast. And also, I just want to mention... The mock draft that we did, that was so much time, so much effort, so much uh, scheduling to get done. We were so nervous. Are people going to like this? We're making a four-hour long YouTube video. And the amount of support we've received from fans, uh, people commenting, people quote tweeting, uh, saying just really kind words about all the work we put in. And uh, we really appreciate hearing all of that because this was a bonus thing. Like We just decided, hey, people like the mock draft. We're going to do it. If we're going to do it, let's do it right. Let's get the best guests in. Who cares about time restraints? Although usually we're not too worried about time restraints on this show anyways, but four hours, that's uh, that's a feature film. That's not a podcast. So we did something a little different, that's for sure. But we had a lot of fun doing it, and it seemed like you guys really enjoyed it. So I think that's something we're going to be doing. Uh, maybe an annual tradition. We'll have a massive uh, feature film for the mock draft to going forward here. But for today... I say goodbye. Thank you for listening and watching the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.